So, um, yeah, so it's really cool. It's good. So, like I said, I do have some things that I, ah, oh, God's, you know, been speaking to me and he's put on my heart. So today I don't want it just to be um, just my lovely words. I really do want God to speak to you and speak to your heart through some of the stuff that I've got to share and, and um, you know, some of my life's little gems and wisdom maybe. I don't know. You know, um, you know, today's Mother's Day and and I will be honest, sometimes I find it a little bit difficult to um, embrace the idea of Mother's Day in church because for me, um, it's sort of, it's, it reminds me of the fact that I don't have my mum here on this earth. And, um, and while I don't, you know, I don't particularly feel sad all the time about that, it's a reminder, you know, and for other people as well, that they don't have their mums either. And also, it, um, you know, I don't have her around so that I can say, hey, mum, you did a great job of raising my brothers and my sister and I. You know, and I'd love to be able to say that, but, it, but I can still have honour in my heart for that. And, um, and I saw a really lovely photo on Facebook this morning that my auntie had put up of my grandma, who's 98, snuggling this really nice little cuddly blanket. And, um, and my auntie said, oh, happy Mother's Day to, you know. And such a legend, such a hero in our family who is 98 and her love and her faith is inspiring, you know, and makes me go, wow, I can get to 98 and be pretty awesome too. And I will, I will. I also feel for everyone who's lost, who's loved and lost parents and, um, and whose parents haven't been great parents. And um, for whatever reason, I'm also particularly aware of, um, you know, childless couples who would love to be parents and one of my besties from school is in that category. You know, she's unmarried and she doesn't have children. And I just, you know, I feel for her. Um, because that's, you know, against her wishes. And, um, and yeah, so sometimes I, um, and, I will, and I will put my finger on it a little bit, but I do feel for people, um, you know, who go through pain and sadness and stuff like that. Um, and part of my stuff that I'm going to say this morning is actually what do we do when we do feel pain and sadness, you know? We have to go back to the source. We have to go back to God. So that's, um, yeah, he's, he's the healer. He's the one that created us, and he knows everything about us int intricately. Yeah, so cool. Moving on. Children. Parents, mothers, children. It's sort of like a natural flow, isn't it? <laughs> And, um, and my kids said to me this morning, Mom, you're speaking this morning. I'm like, yes, I know, don't remind me. No, yes, I am, yes, I am. What are you going to talk about, Mom? And I just said, oh, I'm just going to tell stories about you. Like, I'm just going to read your little notebooks. That I, and they think it's hilarious because they love, you know, um, I've just, over, you know, over the years of having the kids, I've just written down in a little journal thing, a little... They've each got one, and occasionally I find them and I write little things in, but it's, they think it's hilarious reading back the funny things. You know, like, oh, anyway, I could, I could get carried away, so I have to stop myself, but they just thought that was hilarious that I would just come and t tell stories about the kids. And, um, but anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to. But, you know, as children, we gain so much of our identity from our family, whether we, whether we want to or not, we just do. And, um, and you just sort of can't help the family that you're born into. 
and you, you, it just, you know, your identity rubs off on you as a wee child. And um, one of the delights of being a parent is overhearing your children and when they're on their own and they think that no one's listening and they say funny things. And one of the things I heard, I wasn't going to say this, but one of the things that I heard, overheard often saying this week wasn't terribly savoury and, um, and it was like a little rap, a little rhyme, and it ended with something <laughs> that rhymes with <laughs> mother trucker. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I popped my head around the door and I went, hey, Austin, what'd you just say? Nothing. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. What'd you say? Nothing. I said, I heard you rapping. I heard you, you know, doing a poem. And he's like, no. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, finally, after I said to him, you know what? If you tell the truth, you're less likely to get into trouble. He admitted he had said something that he shouldn't have. And anyway, and so then we, you know, he re I reminded him that, you know, we don't talk like that and da-da-da. And he, he said, I know. But one of the wee things that I heard Lulu saying as she was settling down to sleep and she was talking to her dolly and teddies and stuff and she was saying, we are the Smiths. We are the Smiths. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, like we don't, we don't say that. <laughs> hey, we're the Smiths and we're awesome and you're, you're in our family and that makes you pretty awesome. You know, like, she's got this identity that it's a belonging and it's just really amazing and, um, and, it's, and it's really cute and it just got me thinking, you know, as children, children are just um, so secure often. You know, you do get shy children, but generally there's the security, there's this optimism they're full of life, they're happy, they're crazy, they're bolshy, well, Lulu is, real bolshy, and they're fearless, and they kind of think they can do anything, and, and, um, and I think, you know, it looks, to me, it looks like they have vision that compels them yeah. to ask for whatever they want and know that they're going to get it, yeah. and it's just bizarre, and, um, and they expect to get it, and they often know what they want to be when they grow up, and, and they might even be two things. But it sort of doesn't really matter, and it doesn't really matter how they're going to be that thing because, you know, getting to the end result, they, they have faith in themselves, and they know that you do too, that you have faith in them. And, and I also think it's quite funny that, you know, and even if you're not a parent, you'll understand this, that we have bigger hopes and dreams for our children than we have for ourselves. And we kind of go, oh, well, they'll be more amazing. They'll be greater. They'll have better opportunities. They'll have um, better parents than I had. <laughs> they'll have better careers, you know, better opportunity for making money. They'll be financial and successful. And, you know, and, um, and it's really funny, but, you know, our parents had those hopes for us too. So what's happened? Why aren't we secure? Why aren't we, you know happy? Why aren't we bullshit? Well, some of us are, but you know, what's happened to our optimism for the future and blah, blah, blah. And I just, I just, I think that, you know, we've been unraveled 
all our lives. We start out, you know, and, and we're told we're awesome and we're told we can do anything and all that kind of stuff. And then we kind of get through our teenage years and we get to adulthood and, we're, and it's sort of like we're a jumper that's been unraveled and it's just, you know, someone's grabbed the thread. Someone, the enemy's grabbed the thread and he's kind of just pulling and pulling and, um, you know, some people say it's not the enemy. It's not Satan, no, it's just life. Life happens. But, you know, I don't completely buy that because, you know, you've got people and the Bible says that we are God's prized possessions. And then you've got Satan who was cast out of heaven and, you know, distant from God. And actually, it just makes sense that he's going to do everything he can to destroy us. (laughs) And to destroy God's prize, you know, however he might do it. And, um, you know, the Bible says in John 10, 10, and it's a really well-known scripture, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So the enemy of our souls is out to bring us down, and it's true. He wants to destroy our confidence, steal our dreams and our visions, and kill any ounce of fun and happiness. So that's the enemy. And how does he do it? I think he unravels us by um, when we face disappointment. And we all do. We all face disappointment from, you know, teenage, well, children, you know? And it's just kind of becomes layers and layers of disappointment, disillusionment. We face death. We, we experience death, you know, death of loved ones, death of my mum. Ex- uh, we experience pain. We experience heartache and sadness. And we also get unraveled when we don't forgive and when we carry offences and when we fail or we feel like we fail I think that's how he gets us Um, and I think from that point we begin to live you know we know that we face disappointment and you know and we're sort of feeling a bit like not whole people and I think we begin seeking to live from happy moment to happy moment And do you know what that's like? I do. I know. Oh, if I could just hurry up and leave high school, I'll be happy. If I could just hurry up and leave high school and get a job, you know, oh, bring on the end of school. And I'll be an adult. And I'll be free, you know. And I'll get a job. And I'll make heaps of money and da, da, da. I think um, if I could just change jobs and get a pay rise, I'll be happy. If I could just get a boyfriend, I'll be happy. If I could just get a girlfriend, all my problems will go away. No, when Jordan married me, he married my $25,000 student loan. All his problems did not go away. (laughs) Back in the day, only $25,000. And we had to pay interest right from the start as well, remember? Yeah, 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 we had it tough. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, And also, when I have a baby, I will be complete. And you and I both know that this way of thinking does not work. We're not happy. We're just not happy. There is no vision, there's no purpose, and there's no joy. Um, And it's as if we don't know who we are anymore. We're constantly being told, though, and... 
I know this from experience, you know, you just, you feel a bit empty and stuff, and you're constantly being told that you have gifts and talents, like, come on, God's giving you gifts and talents, you know, use those gifts and talents to build his kingdom, come on, do it, bring people to Christ, disciple people, but I don't even have any gifts and talents. I don't, I don't even, I don't have vision. I'm just like, I'm really happy just, you know, this is me, actually. People would say, what's your vision for your future? And I'm like, just to get to the end of my life. I don't know, I, I don't know, I'm just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. To live well? Um, I don't know. But, you know, finding out who you are, and this is my point, finding out who you are is more about finding out who God is because you can't find out who you are until you know him. It's taken me a very, very, very long time to find out even slightly who I am and, um, and what the gifts God's given me are. And I'm still discovering because I'm still discovering God. And, um, you know, there's some scriptures that have defined me and my question to you is, do you have scriptures that have defined you? And if you don't have any that shape and mold you, then you need to get some. You need to, you need to get into the Word of God. You need to find some scriptures. Even, even if they're other people's scriptures, take them for yourself, you know? And, um, and I want to share with you some scriptures that have defined me. So... Let's go back. <laughs> Let's go back to when I was a teenager. And I found a scripture in the book of James. And it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And it's only cool now because of two reasons. <laughs> because I've discovered that I'm motivated by a gift of mercy. And I've really only just discovered that. Like I said, I'm really just discovering who I am. But I'm motivated by a gift of mercy, which we learnt in our e-group studies. And, and it's like, wow, but that scripture's always been really cool in my head. You know, that mercy triumphs over judgment. And it's also really cool because I'm also quite judgmental. <laughs> and it's a little bit of a reminder from God, don't be judgmental. Mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. So that's really cool. Also, when I was a teenager, I discovered Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 is just awesome, and it talks about being that I, because you need to personalize it, I will be like a tree planted by streams of water, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever I do will prosper. And that's such a cool promise, and it's defined me. What about when storms hit? Because they do. What about when life gets really, really, really hard? because it does. When Jordan and I, we lost our first baby through miscarriage, and, you know, you, you kind of just have to go somewhere, because you're pretty upset, and you have to go somewhere, and so I, you know, go to the Bible, and God took me to Psalm 104, and it's pretty cool, and for me, it just, you know, God God wants to speak to you what he wants to speak to you. And for me, it just kind of blew my mind because it talks about God's magnificence and how huge he is and how amazing he is and how 
big and and it really was just an eye opener that actually he is so 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 big that he knows what's going on with me you know and that he's bigger than that crazy situation it says you are robed with honor and majesty you are dressed in robes of light you stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens you lay the rafters of your home in the rain clouds you make the clouds your chariot you ride upon the wings of the wind you place the world on its foundation you clothe the earth oh my goodness god is so massive god is just amazing you know and when you get a perspective of god it just does something in you Moving on, it's such a long thing, um, Psalm. You make the moon to mark the seasons. You send the darkness. Here is the ocean, vast and wide, teeming with all sorts. Da da da. They all depend on you to give them food as they need it. You, when you supply it, they gather it. You open your hand to feed them, and they are richly satisfied. Isn't that cool? So you know, God is good. God is good. Hey, I think I've been up here twenty minutes. Um, a number of years ago, um, I felt really, really distant from God, and I think sometimes we go through these moments of just being a bit empty, a bit weary, um, just really suffering internally a bit, and all I could think about God was that he was an angry God, you know, like I'd open the Bible or I'd, oh, you know, whatever, and I'd be thinking of, oh, how much he hated the Israelites and wanted to wipe them out because they were, you know, so disobedient. And I could, I was just like, oh, he's just an angry God, you know, and I was finding it really hard to uh, see him as a God of love because it was, he was just this angry God. And so I actually had to go on a, um, I had to go on a quest to find God's love because everyone says, no, God's a God of love, you know, and he is, he totally is. But if you're not feeling it, you have to go and find out. You have to go and, you have to actually discover God is a God of love. He's not, he's not an angry God. There's a whole reason he was an angry God and it's really valid, but he is a God of love. He loved his people so much, his Israelite people, you know, and, um, and so God was amazing. He did reveal his love to me and it drew me back to him and then he also one of the other really cool scriptures he took me to was Isaiah 62 and it talks about rebuilding the desolate city and rebuilding the walls that are broken down and that's how I felt I just felt pretty crushed you know and um but these are all things that have built me internally you know who I am and um and who God is you know what about when um things don't go to plan, life doesn't go to plan, and your plan doesn't work out, like, you know, my plan was to have three children, not four, <laughs> and so, you know, you can plan one, two, and three, and that's awesome, that's really cool, but what about when the plan doesn't work, and you have a fourth, you know, and every single child, you're so delighted, yay, we're going to have another baby, and then it's like, no, going to have another baby you've got to go to God you totally have to go to God because um you know you're pl you're he he took me to um Proverbs 1921 which says man makes his own plans but the purpose of the Lord prevails 
I was like, wow. And then there was another, actually, there was another scripture that God gave me. And it's, you know, it was really about, that whole journey was really about surrendering my plan, which I did. And, you know, and it's okay. It's all fine. It's working out, you know. And, um, and Lulu was awesome. And she added to our family magnificently that, you know, in ways that we couldn't imagine. But, you know, my plan was not to have another child because it was going to be too hard and I wouldn't be able to cope and da-da-da. But anyway, that's, you know, we do have dumb reasons, eh? We do decide things for ridiculous reasons because it's too hard. It's a crazy reason to not be, you know? Anyway, um, and another scripture, this is very, very cool, another scripture that God gave me when I found out that I was pregnant with Lulu and um, didn't want to be pregnant was... um, another psalm and it talks about you know it wasn't the one about the quiver full it wasn't that one which was really cool but it was nearby and it said um, your wife will be like a flourishing vine fruitful within the home la 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 that's really cool and then it says and look at all those children exclamation mark exclamation mark there they sit around your table and I was like oh yeah all those look at them all (laughs) (laughs) woohoo they all need feeding no, that's cool. What about what about when I didn't want to speak in public, and I and I don't want to. <laughs> and God takes me to Exodus four, where Moses is pleading back and forward with God. But God, what if they don't believe me? But God, what if they don't? Be, you know. And God says, "Well, do this." And Moses is like, "Yeah, but what if they, you know?" And then they still don't believe me. And he's like, "Yeah, well, then do this." And then. And then finally he goes, Moses, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. Come on, Chrissy. (laughs) You know? Um, And I really love this because God sometimes speaks with a little bit of humor too and um you know I love the fact that God made us and God made us humorous so he must be as well and you know I find myself as a pastor of a church alongside my husband who's actually the pastor of the church but I find myself in this position and I kind of you know I wouldn't have asked for it my parents were pastors and I know what it entails, and um, and while you're all my friends, and you know, we're we're pretty tight, hey. No, 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 joke, joke. No, but you know, doesn't matter if you're in a church or wherever you work. People can be a little bit difficult, and you know, and people say stuff that hurts, but they don't know it hurts. And people say stuff to you because you're, you're the pastor's wife and you can handle it. And because, you know, clearly you're more holy or something ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, it's all good. I'm not, I'm not having a moan. I'm not having a moan because I love people. But God took me to a proverb and it's just hilarious. It's so funny. It says, without oxen... A stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. 
Do you get it? <laughs> Do I need to spell it out? And I just think, actually, we are here on earth to bring in a large harvest. And the enemy, like I said before, he's trying to get everyone. So, of course, there's going to be a bit of crap flying, you know? And it's not about me. It's about God. I just have to be obedient. So, yeah. So, bring it on. I've sort of a little bit come to the end of my stuff that I wanted to say, but, I, but that's good because we're doing good for time. But um, I, I do think that I'm not the only one in this room that sort of understands what it feels like living from happy moment to happy moment and just trying to make it work, kind of just hoping, just hoping that life works out okay. And as the music team comes up, I just want you to think about, you know, if you're feeling stuck and if you don't really know who God's created you to be and you don't really know what your giftings are and you don't really know what you're designed for, then you kind of might need to now in this moment, and I'll probably hand over to Jordan for this bit because he's better at it than me because I've never done it but um I just think we might need to do a little bit of a chat with God do a little bit of business with God I don't think we should just go through life hoping well faith and hope are good that's good if you understand that but just kind of going, oh, well, life happens and tomorrow will be better. I don't think we're supposed to live like that. I think we're supposed to live off the front foot, not the back foot. And if you feel like you're living off the back foot, it's a really easy fix. You know? God is amazing. He wants to reveal stuff to you. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to show you who you are by showing you who He is. So one last scripture I just want to um, say is a really cool scripture from Romans 11. It's Romans 11, 36, and it says, for of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. And that just sums up my point, my point we don't know who we are until we find out who He is. Awesome. Why don't you bow your heads and I'm going to hand over to Jordan and he's going to do something real awesome. Awesome. Well, let's stand to our feet. Let's